They're a little bit loose, a little bit unstrung, and they've probably had a few beers beforehand. Please welcome Matt Crummins and Tom Fancy Pants Puck with yet another episode of Matt and Tom's Excellent Adventure. What the hell did you do to kill our broadcast three seconds in? Uh, it was such quality content, Matt. Yeah, well, I'll be honest, I, I know I'm late, but I've got a really good reason. Uh, where's your note and what's your excuse? Well, okay, so don't have a note. Dog ate the note, but... <laughs> and the, along with the homework. Yeah, well, go on. basically, but I woke yeah. up this morning and I realised what our, our topic was for today. Right? And I thought, oh, jeez, yes. I better get prepared for this. And so... You mean you did some home? You did homework? You did prep for this? Well, no, not quite. Because I realised that what I needed to do was go to the kitchen, God make sure that. I've got snacks and coffee <laughs> and everything. Because I get to sit here for the next 45 minutes and listen to you say, um, Matt, you were right. And um, and you can describe to everybody about how Matt was correct all along. Why in the hell would I say that? Why, well, you listen to you. I think I know where this is going. You are. You've, you've kicked that back the recliner. You've I, got your pina colada in hand and you are just going to sit there with some sort of like a Cheshire type grin as I... I Tell you about how good this latest iPhone is. Is yeah, that right? Basically, <laughs> and um, so I've made myself baked eggs and a coffee um, just to make sure that I'm I've got the sustenance to, you know, really be engaged as a listener of um, you know, of your groveling for the whole forty. Why, why would I be groveling to you? Oh, I'm not groveling. It's just like I feel like I've copped a bit of flack for using a phone in the past, and now it's like, Mister, I don't even bother with a camera. It just feels. <laughs> Ah, uh, listen to you, listen to you. I don't know that I've ever said that. Not, not in public, anyway. Not on, not in any public forum. I don't. I need, I need evidence for that. Look, and the yes. new book is just going to be called Tom Putt's iPhone. Oh, it is. <laughs> iPhone it is. By Tom it Putt. is so good. You know, it's always great when you get a new toy, Matt. You know, you've you've been gloating about your Sony mm. products just the last week or so, but. But nonetheless, we'll, My, get, we'll get to this, won't we? Sorry. We'll get to this. We, we're so far in. We're, we're, we're so far not in. No. I just, There's no way we could possibly launch into the topic straight away. I just want to make <laughs> sure that you knew that I was prepared for a very, all right, very, all right. very long listening session. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So it seems like I'm going to be doing all the talking on this podcast this, then. This mm. Well, I just... I, I, I'm so strange. Rather than make a double shot of coffee in a larger mug... I'll make one shot in two separate glasses. Is that bad or you've is got that two coffees rather than I've got two coffee. coffees sitting right in front of me now, both of equal weight, and that tastes better to me than putting it two shots in one mug. Ooh, is that probably because the ratio is maybe not quite so if you got those two coffees and now decanted them into like a bucket, you're saying it's <laughs> different. <laughs> I think it would, particularly if I'm drinking from a bucket. Yeah. yeah. You know, it like, like a nice ceramic bucket. I don't know. <laughs> You know, there'd be a place in Fitzroy that'd serve you that. They would be, they'd be like bucket of latte or something. One like of those tin buckets that you get when you order the uh, the beer and prawns up at Port Douglas or something. You know, <laughs> I love twenty it. bucks, the twenty bucks special where you get the two Coronas poking out the top, surrounded by the prawns. Well, speaking of Port Douglas, well, not really Port Douglas. Oh, la di da! Off we go. I'm off to I'm off to our holiday house in Port Douglas well, actually, on the weekend. On was, the weekend, darling. I was going to ask you about your trip, but if you're going to be a well, well, I don't know that Darwin is quite Port Douglas, but I'm sure the people who live in Darwin are quite flattered or offended, one or the other. They're probably going, no, F you. We don't want to be anything like those snobs over in Port Douglas. But, um, 
it was amazing. It was great to get away again. Oh my god, um, strange, but but good in a sense that why well, was it strange? Um, I've got used to being at home for all this time. Like I think thirteen months without jumping on a plane would be would absolutely be the first time in uh, probably f- almost twenty years that I've done that. Because wow. with my workshops, I'm generally traveling all the time. There was a year in my workshops where the portrait studio, Ella and Friends, was just going gangbusters and I needed a break. So I think I ran one workshop in one year. But that was down to Tassie, so I did jump on a plane. That's even overseas, um, wow. <laughs> that's a long way away. You've got to take your passport and everything. And uh, and so it's been, it would have been a long time. And, of course, COVID. So what happened? I mean, the car park's like, you know, not even... 10 percent full oh, i drove um, past it the other day it was eerie i, I was dropping mum at the airport weird isn't it yeah i was exactly the same thing i was driving past the long term and i'm like there's a few cars there but it would look more like like a an average quality car wash than like, like <laughs> an airport car park it was crazy this is it this is it and then and then the whole virgin lounge i do i do try and fly virgin i like their service um that had completely moved. They've closed the big one in Melbourne Terminal and they've made a smaller one upstairs, God knows what reason. Well, makes um, it easier yeah. to social distance in such a tiny space, you know? <laughs> yeah, this is it. I don't understand that logic, but I'm sure there is some logic behind it. Uh, you, you sat down at the table and you scanned the barcode and you ordered through the uh, app and then they brought the coffee over to you. Oh. None of this self-serve rubbish. And uh, and then on the plane, obviously it's um, it's it's well social distance, as you can imagine. Not yeah. everyone's crammed in on top of each other, and uh, you wear a mask the whole time. So I tell you, the best thing that was the best thing about flying was not only catching up with my wonderful participants and and seeing a part of Australia I hadn't seen before, but I bought myself, and I don't understand. I don't understand why I haven't done this earlier. You know, with all the flying I've done, like sometimes I've fl- flown. One year I flew to Sweden and back in January and then I flew to Russia and back in February and then I flew to Namibia and back in March. So how many hours is that? I hate to think, mm. 70, 80 hours without noise-cancelling headphones. Well, uh, that's well, that's just a poor decision, isn't it, really? <laughs> that's just the stupidest decision you've ever heard in your life. So I've never been one for these... Over the year, you look like a tosser type headphones, but something clicked inside my head last week before I left and I raced, raced off to JB and I bought the Sony. I said to my son, what should I buy? Because he's riding into his Beats. Oh, I yeah. thought I'll buy some Beats. They seem a bit overpriced, but I'll buy them. Massively overpriced. I've got them on right now. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> they came free with my laptop, admittedly. But, okay, okay. Yeah. okay yeah, I, I, yeah. I will. Well, I didn't because I said to my son, what should I get? He's 14, you know, tech head. I don't know, do some research. That's what I did. So uh, I did, and on techradar.com, it was like one of the top SEO listings, Sony came up number one for noise cancelling and number two for uh, sound quality because I said, oh, I'm going to get these Sonys, and he goes, yeah, they might be good for for noise cancelling, but what are they like for sound quality? So I went into JB and I chatted with the guys there, and um, and they were three ninety five. They had a $50 off special. So I'm like, oh, it's still quite a significant investment but here we go i'm feeling good about myself i'll buy myself a prezi and uh or to make myself feel good and um (laughs) and they were brilliant oh my god just like totally cancel out the noise funnily enough and then you play some music on top of that and you just don't hear anything except your beautiful dulcet tones and maybe you listen to a podcast or two as well as you saw i did 
Yeah. Well, were they good enough that, like, when you got up to, to your final destination, that um, Here we your, go. your students came back and sort of said, like, well, we were talking to Tom the whole time, but he just never responded? Or Oh! Did you wear them? Oh, you're the supposed to take them off. You're you... supposed to take oh, I didn't. I didn't think about that. I didn't think that you should take them off once you leave the plane. No. You know what? I almost felt... <laughs> I always felt a bigger toss-up wearing them through the terminal because yeah. I got so used to them. I'm like, oh, this is great. I'm just going to block out everyone and ignore everyone and just be in my own little space. You know when you see people walking to the to the plane or from the plane and they've still got the neck roll around their necks? Oh, I hate that, yeah. That <laughs> is so bad. It is. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't. I can't. So like how tired are you? You just just in case you fall over, and <laughs> need to fall asleep instantly without the need. You know, you can't blow well, maybe you, maybe you're falling asleep while you're walking to get collect your bags, Matt. You know, I, like have a little nap on the way. See, I reckon I'd be less embarrassed wearing that if I was doing like seascapes and long exposures. You know, just if you're doing like a really long exposure, waiting for that image noise reduction processing. Just you no, know, if it's just there, just <laughs> to the side. Little power now. This could be this could be something that we could approach Sony and we could brand a noise cancelling headset. Targeted specifically, <laughs> specifically for photographers. Just ignore, <laughs> annoyed with the other photographers who come out and photograph with you. Yeah. Buy these special noise cancelling headphones. It just and, and they've got built-in episodes of our podcast that just play on repeat. Ah, oh, now and you're it talking. Just goes over and over and over and over. It's, yeah. it's soothing. It's like white noise. That, yeah. <laughs> so that, okay, so right, you bought headphones. So that was amazing. Was pretty exciting for a podcast about photography. How was the actual trip? So quite amazing. Um, Arnhem, Arnhem Land. Arnhem Land. So West Arnhem Land, which is for those who are wondering, it's sort of like the top end. Okay, Northern Territory. Those overseas listeners listening, make sure you Google it. Think Kakadu National Park, Crocodile Dundee, to the east or to the right of that. So you're in Aboriginal land. Um, you need a permit to get in. And uh, we flew from Darwin to a place called Davidson's Safari Camp or Safari Lodge, if you want to look that up, and. You need to fly in this time of year because all the roads are cut because of the massive amount of rain that we've had with the wet season, which is just a typical wet season sort of scenario. So we flew in these little uh, 210, 310 Cessnas, uh, landed on this airstrip, which was very weird because the airstrip's surrounded by all these really tall trees. Yeah. So the approach is the approach is rather interesting. I've never seen an airstrip like that before. It's literally just cut out in the middle of this uh, forest. And then you um, you drive a very short distance to get to the lodge, and there you are. You're at home for the next four nights, and uh, you've got your own little private cabin. And uh, and each day, it's a, it's a guided tour. So um, regardless of whether you come with us or whether you go by yourself, um, you just don't go off and do your own thing. Um, there's water buffalo, there's crocs, there's that sort of stuff. So you can't wander where you want. You can't go in a boat where you want. Um, you go with the expert guides who are out there and they take you to some beautiful rock art and uh, the billabongs and take you on these gorgeous walks. And uh, it's you're out there by yourself, you know. We we were there just with another group of guys who were doing a fishing trip. There were four of them, there were four of us. And so eight people in this camp to ourselves meant that we really felt like uh, we had had it all to ourselves, which was great. And, and is it, um, in terms of the, like, I've been to Arnhem Land once and it, was, it right. wasn't as far in as what you guys went. We just went for a day trip because you can, when, in, when it's not raining season, yep. um, you can go across from, I guess, essentially Kakadu and uh, yep. I'll just remind me where it is. It's, um, 
Oh, I can't even remember now. But anyway, there's um there's a little town that you can drive out to. Well, you um, went on an on an Pelly, I think it's called, and yeah. you went across Cray Hills Crossing to get there, exactly. which is what currently closed because it was at three meters. I think it's dropped down to two meters of water mm-hmm. going across that. So yeah, and no even in the dry there. season, you're driving through. You know, it's only half a meter or something, but it, you know when yeah. you get surrounded by crocs, it does feel like I'm on <laughs> the road and I'm driving on a ledge and. But yeah. we, we drove over there and it was beautiful. Like the landscapes were insane. Um, but I, I can imagine it in, in the wet season as well. I mean, you get bird life and, and stuff too? It's, or is it just... Is it it's not, it's not, yeah, yeah, it's not so much a wildlife tour, this one. And I'm glad that we didn't sort of advertise it as such because you need to go later in the year. Like ideally, if you want to shoot wildlife, photograph wildlife, you'd go like September, October. You'd go in that build-up mm. where there's, there's um, perhaps clouds, but then there's no rain. So yeah. it gets hot and steamy, but by that stage, all the water is sort of dried up and concentrated into specific waterholes, and then all the wildlife congregates in those waterholes. It's not a good time to go this time of year if you want to photograph wildlife because it's so wet that all the wildlife scatters all over the place to breed and to fish and what have you. So um, we didn't see a lot, but that's okay because we went there to do that. We saw some crocs. We saw some darters nesting, um, some magpie geese, lotus birds, Um Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. But really, it wasn't a, a specific wildlife photography workshop. And was there, if, it, if it had been, it would have been a disaster because <laughs> it would just be Tom running around in his jocks. Just there wasn't me, that. There me. wasn't much. Wasn't much to shoot there. But conversely, we went because of the landscapes, and that mm. was amazing. Not only are the landscapes out of this world. Like there was there was one part I'll get to in a minute that I never knew existed in Australia. I never thought this type of landscape was was around. Um, the second, the second thing was that um, the that the clouds and the build up that we had each day meant that we got some amazing cloudscapes, saw some amazing storms. Uh, could almost photograph all day because often in the morning the sun will be out, but by midday the build ups occurred and you get an afternoon storm at, and downpour at like one or two in the afternoon. Uh, that'll stop, and then you can go out and shoot after that. So. Our typical morning would be breakfast, go out and do a morning adventure on a boat or a walk, get back for lunch, you know, rest and recover, have something to eat, afternoon storm, downpour, you know, have a bit of a snooze in your room if you wanted or download some pictures and then, right, let's head out mid-arvo and go out for a sunset shoot for, you know, two, three, four hours. So um, it worked out perfectly. If you go in the dry, sh- sure, um, you don't have that uh, heat and and – and the heat wasn't so bad so long as the sun wasn't out for hours and hours and hours. If the sun's out for hours and hours and hours, it just bakes because there's all this moisture in the ground that gets evaporated and turns into this hothouse, this sauna. There's no wind that time of year, so it's dead still. So that's why it gets so hot and humid. So you don't want the sun out all day, but it didn't for us, which was great. If you go in the dry, it's not as hot, obviously, but then you've got no clouds, sunshine from, you know, sunrise till sunset. So you've really only got that sort of first half hour, hour of the day, last hour of the day. The, the burning off season's occurring, so the smoke haze is, is unbelievable. Um, so you really do have the pros and cons, I guess, of, of dry versus wet. And I, I can only see the, the, the pro for going in the dry season to be the fact that it is a little bit cooler. That's about it. So if you don't mind the heat, I definitely go in the wet. Everything's really lush and green. You've got these storms that occur. You've got these amazing cloudscapes that you can photograph. Um, and one of the best benefits of going to Davidson's at this time of year is that if they have a good wet like they have this year, 
you literally drive five minutes down the road and you're at the swamp where the car, where the boats are parked and you go out on the boat and you travel through these most amazing waterways and uh, paperback lined creeks out to the billabong, which takes a good, you know, 15, 20 minutes or if you stop for lots of photographs, a lot longer than that. Before you get to the main billabong, in the dry season, they that's all dried up. You don't do that. You drive to the billabong and then go out from there. So you get this real experience going through the forest, the flooded forests that um, we had up there. And that was an absolute highlight. Very cool. So it was amazing. I've talked too much already, Matthew. That's but, why um, I did tell you I made baked eggs and, <laughs> and I was going to kick back. I knew that you'd have this. I'm, I'm pretty excited to have, um, to have run a workshop up there and I love running a workshop initially, you know, at a place that I've never been, but then getting back and refining it and going, right, what was the feedback from the participants? What did I feel went really well? What would I improve for next time? And just refining the workshop so it's even better next time around. And so we'll go again March next year which will be amazing um, and and have a fantastic time up there again. The landscape, wowzers. So there's one spot. It's sort of escarpment country for those who know Kakadu. It's similar to that, although the escarpments aren't nearly as high. Um, but there's, there was one spot we went to where there was this occupational cave, so a, a cave where the Aboriginals used to live. And it's this roof system. It's like just imagine it's no more than about two metres high. So you walk into this escarpment area and it's got this huge sort of underground cave that goes for about 30, 40, 50 metres, and and it's like this big rock shelf. So you can walk above this. You can walk on the roof of the cave, but then underneath the cave you've got this big area that's obviously um, very sheltered if it was to rain or the sun's beating. And there were various holes that sort of came through the cave, so you've got these like almost like skylights, which was interesting. And uh, we walked through that to the other side and the guide took us through to this spot. And if you're interested in seeing this footage, I shot a, a lot of... Um, video. So on a technical side, to digress a second, yes, as Matt alluded to at the start of the podcast, I did upgrade my phone recently because I was using an iPhone 6 that um, was a few years old. And my son, Ollie, the tech head said, Dad, if you're going to shoot lots of video on the workshops, you need to upgrade your phone. So I got an iPhone 12. And the quality is outstanding. And I put it together with a DJI Osmo gimbal. You familiar with those? The sort of like little sticks that you hold and they keep everything nice and steady. You can mount your phone onto them. I've got one of those little bad boys. You're the, you've got the, not the little tiny pocket one that you can uh, slip in your pocket. It's quite a large one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what I'm talking about. I'm preaching at the converted here. I haven't oh, used them a lot. Talking you're talking to the audience. So. <laughs> sorry, sorry. For those focus, who haven't, <laughs> for those who haven't got one, if you're doing some video, it is brilliant to mount your phone to because it just keeps it super smooth. It's cinematic sort of like quality, in inverted commas. And so I mounted the phone to that and shot. As you're walking through the cave system, it takes out all of the jarring and keeps it pretty silky smooth. And so I shot a lot of that, shot a lot on the boats as we were driving along and got up the front of the boat and sort of poked it out the front. So it was really close to the water, stuff like that. And, um, and we walked through this cave system and the, around the other side, it's, it's just so hard to describe, there's another sort of cave system, but it's quite open. There's three little skylights, but underneath the skylights is this sort of like circular, cylindrical, hollow, um, you know, rock area. And then one after the other, it's like a series of three. It's like something out of Jurassic Park or some sort of like um, theme park. That's all I can describe it as. And and so he takes us to that and I'm just like, I just can't believe this landscape even exists in Australia. It's incredible. So as I was saying, if you want to see that, 
footage. I just uploaded it to YouTube last night. So if you go onto YouTube, my channel, just search for me, which is uh, Tom Putt, and then go to the um, section that says videos and you'll see it um, top left-hand corner, West Arnhem Land Davidson's Photography Workshop. There's a six-hour um, – six hours? No way. It's not six hours. Oh, six that minutes. That does sound like you, Tom. It does. I mean, especially doing this podcast, that sounds realistic. It could have been six hours, but I, I condensed it to six minutes, so thank me later. And um, you'll see what I'm talking about with that little walkthrough to the to the little cave system that I just uh, referred to there, which I haven't described very well because it is just literally undescribable. And the other thing that was interesting was we did we did have a little bit of time on our hands, so it allowed us on the last day to revisit a spot that we'd been to before. And I gave the participants a choice of going back to the swimming hole where we'd been on the first day to go for a swim or whether we go back to this um, cave system. And they nominated the cave system, which was really fortunate because this storm front came over, so we got to watch that come over the billabong. Then we sort of sheltered in the rain. And I said to Dean, my guide, I said, Dean, I'm, I'm really keen to get back to that cave system to see whether or not there's enough rain at the moment to create some waterfalls coming through those skylights in the caves that I'm talking about, mm. like a waterfall. And I said, can we go do that? And he said, you can do whatever you want. I said, great, we're off. So Alan, another participant, and, and Dean and I um, trundled off in the pouring rain, which you may, may have seen on my Facebooks, and um, lightning and and just gunned it to this uh, cave system. And by the time we got there, there was just water, just torrential water falls pouring through these um, skylights in the cave system, which was just incredible to photograph and witness. And so that was a, a real highlight also. Sounds like you had a bit of uh, quite a bit of diversity going on in this trip. Quite a bit of diversity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Lots to it. see. And we did a helicopter flight as well. So we got chartered a helicopter up from um, Jabiru, which was about 25 minutes, half hour um, transfer uh, up from there they landed at the uh, airstrip and then took us on a bit of a spin just uh, around the local billabongs etc and got some really interesting um, some really interesting aerials one of which um, I was so excited by that I uh, flicked it across to a few friends I don't think I flicked it across to you Matt so that's that's, that's understandable say something, but yeah. <laughs> and I said what do you think and they're like OMG and so I've entered it into a couple of uh, comps already that you know, you get back to civilization. The, one of the advantages of being out of Davidson's was that we didn't have um, internet for four days, which was fabulous, really. I, I know that sounds hard to believe for me. How did I cope? But, um, but it was quite refreshing. It's like a bunch uh, other, of, you know, they don't have their natural environment and other friends. That's okay. You just put a mirror in front of them and they just peck at it and <laughs> pretend they've got friends. <laughs> you were so mean to I me. You would have downloaded a bunch, like screenshot a bunch of websites and social media things. Oh, this is it. This is it. Just to be able to, like, oh, just to be able to, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that was the first thing I said when I got back was like, who missed me? <laughs> so you just there, lying there in bed at night, changing his ringtone just so you can hear the notification <laughs> sounds. Oh, yes. <laughs> a little bit of Pavlov's dog. Now, Matthew, I have kindly. You'll thank me later. Sent you two pictures: the the aerial that I've entered into some comps, and then the second one is that cave system I was telling you about. Um, and so uh, I can't even remember what I was saying, but it was good fun. It was good fun. <laughs> there you go. Oh, that's you very cool. Me, like, you you thrown like me off my. I wouldn't drink that water, but the cave. System you know, so the second time round, no, the second time round when that was flooding, 
which was that photograph. There's a waterfall in the background there flooding into the to the pool in the background. Oh. And uh, and we went for a swim in both those little pools. They're only quite shallow, but we just oh, had to. I get just to check the stuff after that. <laughs> <Getting checked. laughs> I've been checked over enough. I had a COVID test before we left for the workshop just to uh, ensure that we're all clean and good. Lovely. And uh, and and I'm all 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 good. Yeah, all good. So onwards and upwards, back in the back in the saddle again. Uh, thank goodness. And uh, and WA has has now opened the borders as a, as I predicted. If if you go back in these podcasts, I'm sure at some stage I said that after the election that Mark McGowan would open the borders to Victoria, which he has without quarantine, which is fabo. So we head off to um, Karajini for our long-awaited workshop next month, where some people have been waiting over twelve months to go because it was cancelled at the last minute last year. So. So that'd be exciting to get out again. Out again, yeah. Geez, that's that's much more exciting than my life. I think we. Well, I was going to say, what have you been up to? Come on. And I'll just sit here and not really do anything. Um, no, I've, we... I've been working on like they're, they're good projects, but they're just not very exciting to talk about. It's kind of right. you know, like there's, I'd really be boring the pants off you if I was to talk through what I'm working on at the moment. Well, come on! I've just bored the pants off everybody else for the last twenty minutes. No, so I it's your, your turn. Well, I'm right. so whilst Australia and you know you're you know flapping around the country, just enjoying flapping yourself, around the country, just um, living the luscious lifestyle that I'm used exactly, to. Exactly, buying new headphones and iPhones mm. and mm. anything phones. Um, next to buy a gramophone. Um, I'm just trying to catch up to you, Matt. You've probably had all this shit for like the last five, ten years. Well, I'm I just... mean. That's when it came out, but <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I have been, I'm actually back in the world of Zoom and back in the world of online, which is horribly yeah, depressing. Yeah, oh God, because, um, oh God, right, yes, yeah, no. Like, don't get me wrong, there's some things that go really well via Zoom and I'm not, not definitely not um, ragging on it. We've had a few workshops recently that have gone really well, some speed light stuff, but I'm working on a project for other parts of the world that don't have freedom yet, which is um, really odd. So I'm producing a oh, training right. series um, for the Indonesian government um, on training. Uh, there's two sort of parts. There's one part which is training um, people in the general public to become photography tour guides. So a bit about photography, but also what's needed from a tour guide perspective. Right. Um, and that's being delivered all online through a government program. And then I'm also working on one that is targeted at um, businesses who are in the tourism sector in the more remote islands of Indonesia um, and uh, teaching them photography and how to um, do their own marketing because at the moment there's no influencers in the country to do it. So Really? Um, there's no native uh, influencers in Indonesia well, doing not, their own stuff? It's not that there's none. It's There's some really amazing photographers, but um, it's... Uh, from what's been described to me, it's a very different style of photography um, in Indonesia compared to what you would get from sort of a more Western influencer. And yep. so they're, they're concerned that when, you know, travel can start up again, um, that, you know, a lot of these, you know, and, and don't get me wrong, in, in the main cities, in the main islands, and I'm certainly not ju being judgmental of people's photography here, there are certainly amazing photographers over there, mm, um, mm. but they don't generally reside in the more remote locations, which are the ones that really need tourism. And yep. so um, you don't have those people being able to travel internally at the moment to go and take shots, but also they tend to be a little bit more like, um, if you imagine like enthusiast photographers at home, yep. um, there's a difference between yep. being a really good photographer and being an influencer style photographer. I got it. And yep. so um, they take great shots, but maybe they're not the sort of shots you'd use for marketing. Right. So um, 
yeah, I'm working with um, 50 businesses in the remote islands um, to train them on their photography to try and upskill them so when travel resumes, they have a fighting chance of staying alive. Wow. So, yeah, it's actually um, sounds fun when you say it like that, <laughs> but it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of sitting in front of a computer using mind maps to try and work out how do you translate, you know, not translate like in the literal sense of, of language, but how do you translate these ideas to a very different mentality and way of thinking um, mm. in video without, you know, with a language barrier thrown in there as well. So you're delivering these live or uh, recorded? It's it's a combination. So right. it's uh, it's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> no, it'll be good fun. And there's some competition stuff around it and things like that as well. So it's it's a pretty cool project. But um, I'm meant to be in, in the Flinders Ranges as we speak um, with the caravan. Oh, um, getting what out happened there? What happened there? Well, you got this, this gig. project came in and it was like mm. the deadline was just I couldn't meet it with, uh, with our trip. So... Are you still going to be able to get away? Uh, probably not. No, I'm literally oh, on my computer every day, so we'll go. We'll go away for a couple of nights. How's the wife feel about this? What's she uh, saying? Uh, are you in the doghouse again? Well, it's a bit of a stressful time. We are house hunting as well at the moment, so yes, um, we have been. That sort of taken all our spare time, so it is a pretty boring little life that I'm leading, and I feel like my workshop group probably thinks that I've like died or something because I've just. <laughs> completely a what's happened to matt's what's happened to matt's mob are they not meeting on a sunday night or oh, what's going on come on well, tell me you are tell matt's, me matt's mob at the moment is um you know it, it, it's got its own little community and stuff but certainly my voice hasn't been very loud in it do i do i need to come in and inject some life into the well that's actually they specifically group. asked me if i was going to get guest presenters in that oh, um, they said there that, you go there's a, there's the door opening right now for oh, me to no. take over Tom's and bring them all over to tom's tribe it was quite the opposite actually they said yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, don't get tom time. on don't get that for yeah. god's sake don't get tom yeah. put on bring Jesus. that new cam blake dude on or maybe oh uh, yeah yeah, yeah. bring cam blake on he's he's the hot property yeah he's the one running the best workshops in australia at the moment That's he and nick fletcher yeah yeah, yeah, well, yeah. i thought if yeah. nick came in you know at least um yeah i mean he's he's certainly not going to take my job <laughs> you're such an asshole to him i swear i mean he is an asshole but like you know he's a nice guy he's a nice asshole that's he is i didn't say are we allowed to nice swear guy. on these podcasts i'm not sure but anyway i'm probably not no no okay no. sorry bleep bleep out that last yeah. 30 seconds but you know, pause, we do have pause from the uh the nickelodeon <laughs> channel as we do that Easy. <laughs> But Mike, so okay, so we actually had a topic today, despite us not getting anywhere near. Oh, oh, we're thirty minutes in. So let's go. Topic. Let's go. Talk about our topic. No, but you. Right. Okay. So, so this is a really interesting um, uh, crossroads at the moment, right? I think we've just. I was saying to someone last night. um, One of my people who's coming on my bright boot camp in May was talking about buying a new lens um, for their. They've got a Canon. um, It's not a particularly amazing Canon. It's like a. I'm going to say like an ADD or something. It wasn't a bad Canon. It just it's just not like a high high end one. Middle of the road. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. but it's an older version, so it's in need of an update. Um, but they're buying some lenses. They're sort of pretty excited to get back out there and stuff. And they do use it work for work a little bit as well. And he said, oh, you know, I'm looking at the Canon 70 to 200. Don't know if they go to F4 or F2.8. You know, there's some cheap ones going at the moment. There's some this and that. And I said to him, I said, this is probably the most interesting time in photography ever from a technology perspective. Because, I feel like we say that every week. No, well, anyway. well, this is the thing is it's actually for me, I, I had to sit back and think about what that looks like. Um, and I said to him, really, it's probably only been since January this year that I've really started to sort of go, whoa, hold on a second. There's something in the, there's something in the wings. And I look at the rate of change at the moment and it is insane. 
um, with your technology like Canon's bringing out their, their EOS R5 is just stupid. The Sony A1 is ridiculous. Nikon's yep. just announced that the fact that they're working on a, um, a new high-end mirrorless like machine, which looks really amazing on the specs, although we don't really know anything just yet. You, you have to assume it's going to be in that range because... So what's that going to be, like a Z8 or something? Uh, it's a Z9, which is odd. Z9? <laughs> Forget the 8. Uh, we, 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 somebody, somebody in the lab could not count, and all of a sudden no. we, we forgot that we were up to 8. But that's anyway, 9 it. will work. So yeah. I don't know what's going on there, but that's, sort of, that's in production and apparently going to be ready by mid-year, which odd given that they'll probably miss the olympics then um but um all oh they'll have it they'll have it there for the photographers to use it'll yeah. be a pre-release it'll be it'll be only exclusive to them and that's how they'll launch it oh. a lot of camera companies do that generally speaking at major events maybe such as an olympics maybe i should have waited um, for them to give me one like you know to go to the olympics um <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, but yeah but you were talking about taking an iphone at the same time like whilst we're talking about all these ridiculously high-end cameras that are stupid capable You've gone and grabbed an iPhone 12. I've got an iPhone 12 that I've been using a bit as well. And they've got some mm. major advantages, things that you just can't do with a regular camera. As an example, what I love about it is on a wide lens, yep. you can shoot with infinite depth of field. And that is something that is so difficult in a high, you know, uh, a very dramatic yes. composition. You just can't really do it with a camera without focus stacking and stuff. And the convenience of the size of the lens, you can, you know, you can change your lens compression so much. There's so much cool stuff going on. And at both ends of the market, the phone market is starting to get serious. And then the top end market's even getting like more serious. More you know? serious, yeah. It's just um, being pushed further and further, isn't it? And I'm just curious, yeah. like you're you are, you know, well known for your biceps um and carrying around your pentax. Thank you. Um, Thank you, Matt. <laughs> well, you, they, I'm so pleased you mentioned that. They yeah, come one yeah. hand in hand, really, don't they? You can't you know wow. you even need one of those little red trolleys to carry around or uh, <laughs> or you need to be doing some serious gym work. But you've got that versus, you know, you've just come back from, from the Northern Territory and essentially gone, well, hold on a second, I've been using my iPhone a lot and I was really happy with it. Yeah. Um, and I think it's important for us to recognise that there are two things, you know, two things to consider. Firstly, a phone does pre-processing and computational photography. So to, to break that down in a really simple way, when you take a photo on your phone, it's not taking a single photo and presenting that photo. It's taking a multitude of photos and it goes and analyzes all the parts it needs in terms of high dynamic range, so capturing the full range. It can even do high dynamic range or, or um, extended range with your depth of field, so like focus stacking. And it does it in a split second and then spits out this mm. beautiful looking photo that is actually quite good. Whereas yep. a camera takes a photo and stores all the information you'd need to do that process itself. So two different kettles of fish, but, mm. but I'm really curious, like someone who shoots on, you know, your Pentax is a beast and it's, you know, it, it's got so much technical spec to it, but it's relatively basic as a camera as well. It's just a very high quality basic camera. Yeah. Um, it doesn't have all the, the, the bells and whistles. And I say that because like not putting the camera down for those who are listening, I'm just saying it's like um, it, it does a, a, a job and it does that job really well. Um, yeah. Versus say a phone, which is all the bells and whistles with all the tricks and you're sort of seem to be playing on either end of this. Like that must be an interesting experience. Well, I tell you, to, to sort of preempt this conversation, the reason being that I used my phone so much too was that I screwed over my wide-angle pentacle lens when I first got there. We went out. <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh, God, we went out for our first shoot and I had it sitting on the uh, seat of the car and we're in this troopy in the back and uh, we went down this hole and it just flew off the seat onto the metal ground or, or flooring of this troopy. 
and um, made a horrendous noise as it hit the floor. Haven't told Mary this, by the way, so I hope she doesn't listen She'll to this. You'll find podcast. out in about 45 minutes. Yeah. Oh, God, <laughs> please no. And um, this is a lens for those who don't remember or couldn't care less, um, more likely, that uh, I've had my Pentax for about five years and I've never had a wide-angle lens for it. I've had a 28mm, but I really wanted something like a 20, 19, 20mm. Mm. And so eventually I, oh, this year I bought one secondhand for about three and a half grand and it was just great to use. It reinvigorated my sort of land photography again rather than the aerials. And I've hardly used it and I've treated it, you know, with great deal of respect up until this point. And I picked it up think, and looked at it and went, oh, good, thank God, nothing's wrong. And then looked at the barrel and it had separated, bent slightly, probably three mil. And so the whole thing's got this kink in it. That three mil's enough to go that oh. <laughs> I mean, it still takes a photo, but like it's a bit soft, as you can imagine. And so it's, I'm taking it into repair on Monday and I, I suspect they'll just be saying, look for the for the cost of repairing this it's not worth it so it's a bit of a write-off unfortunately so with that it kind of on, left sell it on ebay is like <laughs> yeah. the tom Putt signature lens it's like it's got it's unique it's a one-off one of a kind i'll even sign it with a gold pen if somebody wants to pay me a vast amount of money for it um and so there with that you know like i was left without a wide-angle lens so i was shooting a lot with phone and to be honest too um, this is going to sound very crude. A lot of what I do in photography tends to be sort of with a purpose and a goal in mind, and that's fine, but a commercial goal. So if I'm looking to photograph something with my Pentax or any other sexy type camera, I'll be thinking to myself, right, where commercially could I, I profit from this or make money from this? Or how, how does this fit into my business? I mean, that's a sensible sort of question to ask. Is it going to be a, an image that I'll hang as artwork in the gallery? Will it go in another another book that I produce? Those sorts of questions I'm asking myself. So I'm struggling a little bit now in my career to then answer those same questions in the way I have in the past. I've always justified the cost, I guess, of acquiring images by saying, well, I'll be selling it as art or I'll go in a book. And now that I have all these thousands of images and have spent a lot of time um, acquiring them and money, um, I think I'm now realising that probably won't end up necessarily selling a lot of these, a fraction of them, in fact. So it didn't worry me so much that I wasn't capturing these images with my high-end uh, digital pen tags, but uh, more just capturing the shot, you know, rather than, oh, got to take the backpack off, drag the Pentax out of the bag because you didn't really want to walk around with it because you're walking over some uneven ground and I like to have both hands free other than, you know, it might be raining. So obviously you're not going to walk around with your camera in the rain. So to pull out the phone, some of the advantages of the phone, you know, that everybody would know is the small compact size. I actually bought the <coughs> iPhone 12 mini, which is smaller than the uh, 6S that I had before that. So it's one of the smaller phones that I've owned, which is great, probably more like an iPhone 5 rather than an iPhone, you know, anything else. Um, it's waterproof for 30 minutes underwater, apparently. I didn't take it underwater at all, but uh, happily had it out in the rain while it was raining. I thought you said you did swim in that swimming hole. We did, but I, I took it with me, but I didn't take it under the water. Oh, I just kept it above the water. I felt this is a really I just, I'm, 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 not, I'm not brave enough to take it in the water yet. Um, it I just doesn't pre- make sense so to I, me. I've taken mine in the water because I, I was swimming for her first swimming at the end of last year, I think. And um, So that would have been in a chlorine pool then? It was. and um, Yeah, I, you would have had to flush it out afterwards. 
oh, as in probably, probably put it through some. Probably should have, but that's that was six months ago, and the time has passed. passed. You know, um, well, that's just it. No, I, I think it was fine. I mean, don't get me wrong; like it gets a bit of a grime over it, like a slick. You do need to sort of wipe it down. It's pretty gross, but right. Um, but yeah, no. Anyway, sorry, I was just interrupting. Cause yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, that's interesting to hear. No, no, that's great. That's great. So um, that the waterproofness and and just the convenience of just having it in your pocket and pulling it out and shooting a picture. Now, I would not shoot nearly as much photography with this or video if it didn't have the wide-angle lens mm, because yeah. the wide-angle lens, that uh, 0.5 times that it says on the f- display, really just feels like I've got my wide-angle lens from my SLR on. And sure, it's not shooting 50 megapixels or however many megapixels you your camera is, but it gives me a similar result. And as you've said, if the focus stacking and the, I think it now does HDR video. Yeah. So the video that I shot, you know, great detail in the shadows and the highlights. So nothing that I could complain about in terms of exposure, in terms of dynamic range uh, and the latitude there. The quality is amazing. Uh, of course, 4K, you can shoot 60 frames per second if you want. So I'm, I am amazed. I am surprised at how good the quality is and I can understand now why so many um, less enthusiastic photographers, just being the general public, just love using their phone and, and <laughs> how stuffed we are as professional photographers because of it. <laughs> yeah. uh, it was incredible. It was incredible to use. Uh, it was it was a great tool to have. Let me say that it is. It's, it, I, I do find it really interesting though, because you're right. That idea of what am I shooting a photo for really sort of resonates with me as well. I find it really disheartening when you take those shots. Sometimes you get home, you're like, oh, that was actually a wicked shot, and then you sort of you really have to. Oh, what happened? Oh, I, I'm I'm recording now. Yeah, we just it went fuzzy. We lost you, and then you didn't come back. Yeah, so, well, you know how earlier I was saying that those Beats headphones maybe weren't oh, shit. all that they should have cracked off. Yeah, anyway, yes. they just ran out of batteries. Oh, hold on. Now, one thing I didn't say about my headphones, the Sony ones, thirty hours you get. Yeah, with a, full, but with a full charge. You tell me how often you remember to charge them after, because they have such a long battery life. You don't get in the habit of charging them, and then you're like, <laughs> well, "Oh no!" See, see, Matt, they're new to me now, and and so I'm I'm treating them like a baby, and I actually put them on charge before I fly anywhere, even if I think I've only used an hour's worth. You anyway, go. you go on. You said something uh, along the lines of, "We're talking about iPhones." <laughs> <laughs> so you were listening hard then. <laughs> I was, right on, I was right on top of it. You're like, I, I was, no idea what he's I was talking all about. over it. All no over it. No, but it's. I think I was saying something like along the lines of, um, you've got to, you can't discount that idea that what what's your shot for? And I've so I've hit this um this question recently with I bought my new camera and my Sony A one arrived last week, which is pretty freaking cool. Um, so much to love about it, and I think especially things like autofocus speeds and stuff like that, love it. Um, it shoots 30 frames per second at 50 megapixels. I heard. Now, to give you an idea, you know, the, the shots are about 120 megabytes each. Um, and then it can shoot 30 of them a second. So that's 3.6 gigabytes of photos a second. <laughs> and, uh, like, that's ridiculous for a start. You want to have some big memory cards in your camera. Yeah, and a little bit of, I guess... Um, what's the word, uh, self-control over your shutter button. Um, yes. <laughs> but there are some situations where that's absolutely relevant and applicable. I can imagine some wildlife shots where that's going to be super handy in, in sports and stuff. But um, 
there was a lot of people kind of complaining about some of the the things in in there as well. They were talking about things like, um, oh, what was it? It was like a, it wasn't dynamic range, but it was it's one of the um, the compression formats for the video in the camera. It's really mm. good, but they were sort of saying like, oh, it doesn't quite have the same as the whatever other pro models out there or something. Right, right. And some bloke I was watching on YouTube made a really good point. He's like. If you're a photographer, if you're a videographer who really needs, you know, to do the finest of color grading and things like that, then that's really probably an important sell point. You know, it's probably not your camera. He said, but even as a professional filmmaker, he said, I just couldn't give two shits about that because Mm. if you get the set right, you get the lighting right, you get the things right, and it's still very flexible. Um, He said, most people are going to watch this on YouTube and YouTube will crush this video beyond like so far beyond the the yes. quality level that you're recording anyway, and the That's same thing. Great point. If you're if you're yep. shooting for Facebook as an example, your photos at the moment are like nineteen twenty by ten eighty, which is the same as an HD TV screen. Right. You think about a fifty megapixel camera, you're getting eight thousand something pixels by six thousand something pixels, and so all of a sudden you go, well, you've just lost three quarters of the sharpness of your photo to simply scaling it down let alone the compression that goes with that so i think it's really important to be aware of what it is that you want to achieve with your photos a lot of people i speak to these days they don't have any interest in printing and then my first question would be well why do you need a high-res camera and if it's for cropping you're probably better off buying a low-res camera and a better lens (laughs) um yeah yeah you know there's so many factors like that and yeah it, it really does um it makes you go you know phones as an example they're very legitimate as long as you understand where their downfalls are much like cameras mm. are really legitimate, but they also have downfalls, and you, and you need to mm. understand those. Of course, yeah, yep, yep. That's my bit. Yeah, look, it is. It's it's like a, it's a great point regarding the quality because uh, you know we all get caught up on having the best quality, and then and oh, so what are you going to use it for? Well, I'm just going to upload them to YouTube or Facebook, etc. It's like, well, that's going to get crunched to death by the time you upload it anyway. So, is there really any point? But um, of course, you want to record in the best quality, but we do get hung up a little bit on that, I'm sure, and. I think a case in point came up where we were talking about that as well. So it's a good uh, point to end the podcast for today because we have rabbited on for about uh, 45 minutes or so. So thank you for indulging me and allowing me to uh, chat further about our first workshop for the year, which was very exciting. Well, thank, so, thank you for giving me time to eat my uh, eggs. and uh, Your eggs and, and, and me to eat my humble pie. And, uh, and so, yes, you were right, Matt. And, uh, and so... Um, I'm hoping that throughout the year we'll be able to come back to you with more trip reports from um, workshops near and far and hear about your adventures to the Flinders Ranges and other places as well as we get out and explore again, which is very refreshing. Very exciting. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Matty. Great to catch up with you again. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time on Matt and Tom's excellent podcast. Bye. Cheers, guys. Bye.